1: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to cover this week in headlines and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. I've asked James Blend to join me for that. In the Portland area, you can continue with the Christian Outlook. We're going to focus on the sanctity of human life week. That's coming up in the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show here in Portland. But first, the week in headlines. Well, the top news story today, the White House is halting the permitting process for several proposed liquefied natural gas export uh, terminal projects over their uh, potential impacts on climate change. It's an unprecedented move environmentalists have demanded in recent months. And of course, it is an election year. In a joint announcement Friday morning, the White House and Department of Energy and the uh, said rather that the pause would occur while federal officials conduct a rigorous environmental review assessing the project's carbon emissions, which could take more than a year to complete conveniently. Well, climate activists have loudly taken aim at LNG export uh, projects in recent weeks, arguing uh, they'll lead to a large uptick in emissions and worsen global warming. So that's uh, one of the top news stories for the day. Also looking back over the week, the 51st annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. this week drew thousands of pro-life supporters despite frigid temperatures and continual snowfall. The March featured, uh, featured rather speeches from uh, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey, University of Michigan football head coach Jim Harbaugh and more. And after the rally, demonstrators marched down the National Mall toward the U.S. Capitol. This is the largest human rights event in the world. However, it was reported here in the U.S. as, well, hundreds showed up, like they always do. Nothing to see here, folks. Well, the White House now acknowledges that border security is important, but then proceeded to list their reasons illegal migrants should come. Well, since the president took office, the U.S.-Mexico border has seen record amounts of illegal crossings. The fiscal year 23 alone saw a massive number of illegal aliens storm the southern border with a record 3.2 million migrants encountered. Well, that number does not include gotaways or those who have avoided detection. Well, at the same time, more than 8 million illegal aliens have entered the United States. Yet the Biden administration remains Pretty ignorant of the crisis it has created on Friday, uh, the White House press secretary insisted that border security is important and that the Biden administration is working toward a plan, not working toward, working toward a plan to stem the millions of illegal migrants from entering the U.S. At the same time, she bragged about all of the taxpayer-funded services the president has provided to those entering the country illegally. Well, the U.S., Egypt, and gutter. Uh, put more pressure on Israel to accept a peace plan. Later in the week, Israel actually proposed one. We'll share that in a few moments. But the U.S., Egypt, and Qatar, uh, they're pushing Israel and Hamas to accept a comprehensive plan that would end the war, see the release of hostages held in Gaza, and ultimately lead to full normalization of Israel with its neighbors and talks uh, for the establishment of a Palestinian state. The Wall Street Journal reported earlier this week. The plan, whose complete implementation would take about 90 days, would reportedly bring all fighting to an extended halt, during which time the Palestinian terror group in the first stage would free all civilians. Israel would simultaneously release hundreds of Palestinian security prisoners, pull out of Gaza's cities, allow freedom of movement in the Strip, cease drone surveillance over Gaza, and double the amount of aid entering the Hamas-controlled areas." Now, whether or not this would uh, allow them to reach their goal of eliminating Hamas as a future threat. It does not seem to be the case. We learned this week that Alec Baldwin is heading to trial over the death of cinematographer um Heilna. I'm sure that's not the right pronunciation, Hutchins, who was killed in 2021 after the actor's prop gun fired a live round of ammunition on the Rust film set. That decision to indict Baldwin was announced on Friday after a New Mexico grand jury heard evidence presented by special prosecutors. Uh, He was charged with one count of involuntary manslaughter. If convicted, he could face up to 18 months in prison. A trial date has uh, has not been set as of yet. In other news, the two missing seals are now listed as deceased in a grim update to a story Uh, From last week, the search for the two Navy SEALs who went missing off the coast of Somalia 11 days ago, more days now, have been uh, called off and they're now presumed lost at sea. The two warriors were on a mission to seize Iranian weapons aboard ships supplying weaponry to terrorist Houthis in Yemen. One SEAL had attempted to board a small boat and fell into rough seas, as is their protocol. The second SEAL jumped into the sea to rescue the other. As USNI News reported, we regret to announce that after a 10-day exhaustive search, our two missing U.S. Navy SEALs have not been located and their status has been changed to deceased. The two special operators are the first two deaths in the U.S. forces since the American naval buildup in the eastern Mediterranean and Middle East following the October 7th Hamas attack on the southern border of Israel. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton on Monday promised that the uh, fight is not over after the Supreme Court granted an emergency appeal by the Biden administration to allow the border patrol agents to resume cutting razor wire, concertina wire set by the uh, by Texas at the southern border. The court temporarily orders uh, uh, allowed Biden to continue his illegal effort to aid the foreign invasion of America. Paxton said in a statement, "The destruction of Texas border barriers will not help enforce the law." or keep America's citizens safe, he said. This fight is not over, and I look forward to defending our state's sovereignty. Uh, Texas is not backing down. Also on Monday, the Supreme Court rejected an appeal from Hunter Biden's former business partner regarding his criminal conviction, For his alleged role in defrauding a Native American tribe, Devin Archer, who served on Ukrainian energy company Burisma's board alongside Hunter Biden, previously lost an appeal before the high court, a federal judge sentenced Archer to prison in 2018 for allegedly defrauding the tribe and by fraudulently issuing $60 million in tribal bonds after he was convicted by a jury. However, his conviction was thrown out later in 2018 by a district judge in Manhattan because she was left with an unwavering. Concern that Archer is innocent of the crime charged, Archer's conviction was reinstated by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals a month before the 2020 election, and he received a one-year and one-day prison sentence in February of that year. Uh, despite the sentence, Archer's lawyer has maintained his innocence and said they intend to file a serious a series of appeals, uh, which has delayed Archer's serving his sentence. Los Angeles Times letters editor Paul Thornton implored Californians leaving the state to stop criticizing it on the way out. To the people leaving California, he wrote, may the road rise to meet you as you seek better lives in new places. Now, can you please extend some goodwill to those of us who remain? Well, he asked in a Saturday piece headlined commentary, if you want to leave, fine, but don't insult California on the way out. He went on to describe how staggering numbers of Californians are fleeing to other states. More than 800,000 moved away in 2022 and many thousands more left last year. Often the desperate, um, the departees rather, cash in hand from a sale of a $1 million bungalow feel the need to express disdain for their home state and even some anger too. If you must uh, leave California for Texas, Arizona, New England or anywhere else, don't be a person who trash talks the home of 39 million people, he pled. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, California lost 75,423 people in the year 2023. Well, of course, they're not trashing the people. They are trashing, for the most part, the leaders who make decisions that have left California and the mess that it's in. Well, I mentioned earlier that the United States and uh, several other countries have issued a challenge to Israel to end the uh, conflict with Hamas, but Israel is proposing a two-month ceasefire with Hamas in exchange for the release of all remaining hostages in the Gaza Strip. The two, um, uh, Hamas and Israel, have been in a months-long war in Gaza after the uh, group launched the terrorist attack on the 7th, killing 1,200 civilians and kidnapping hundreds of others. Well, through Qatari and Egyptian negotiators, Israel is now offering Hamas a temporary two-month ceasefire, and the release of an unspecified number of Palestinian prisoners in exchange for the more than 130 remaining hostages in Gaza. The first phase would see the release of women, men over the age of 60, and uh, hostages who are in critical medical condition. The next phase would include the release of female soldiers, men under the age of 60 years old, uh, who are not soldiers, Israeli male soldiers, and the bodies of hostages. Hamas was still firing rockets when the first pause was uh, agreed to, and they're killing hostages now. No doubt it wouldn't shock me if uh, Hamas agrees but continues to attack Israel. These are terrorists that cannot be trusted. Quoting from Town Hall. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our march through some of the day's, uh, the week's headlines. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, coming up later in the second half of this hour, the lighter side of the news. We'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at the week in headlines and coming up in our next segment, the lighter side of the news with James Blend, also known as Jimmy B. I know one, by the way, just saying. Well, the U.S. and U.K. task force attacked eight Houthi targets this week. Uh, The two countries launched strikes against eight uh, targets on Monday, the two countries said, in a continuing bid to stop the Yemeni rebel groups attacks on ships transiting the Red Sea. The strikes marked the second major assault by a joint force of the two countries and at least the sixth time overall that the U.S. has targeted the group, which is armed, funded and supported by Iran. A woman's golf tournament responded after a trans female, a.k.a. male, won the competition and caused severe backlash, as one would imagine or expect a transgender golfer with dreams of making it to the LPGA as a woman because he couldn't make it as a man. Uh, has won a women's tournament in Florida, which improved her uh, chances, his chances of earning a spot in a qualifying tour. Haley Davidson, 30, came out on top of the NXXT, or Next Women's Classic, on the 17th of January at the Mission Inn Resort and Club. Davidson, a Scottish native residing in Florida, won after being three shots behind with two holes to go before forcing a playoff following the uh, play on the 18th hole, according to Davidson's Instagram post celebrating the victory. However, there's been an incredible amount of backlash against Davidson and uh, props to the uh, the tour. They responded with common sense, human decency and protection of female sports. Next responded, allowing the players to vote on Davidson's situation, basically killing the uh, golfer's progression without having uh, to get uh, their hands dirty. Riley Gaines weighed in, saying public pressure works. Don't make the mistake of assuming people will do the right thing unprovoked. Hear, here. Women have taken the lead in home ownership while popular culture and the mainstream media reference the notion of supposed cultural patriarchy as if it were undeniable, uh, uh, undeniably true. The actual data on the ground tells another story. A case in point is the current rate of home ownership for single women across the country. As of 2023, a higher percentage of single women own homes than single men, roughly 13 percent. To 10%, respectively. Indeed, in all but three states, single women homeowners outnumber single men. And a cancel culture reversal, a school board has reinstated a Native American mascot. It was called a Lexington and Concord moment on the long march to political correctness and perhaps uh, there's something to that assessment. Instead of doing uh, doing away with its high school's traditional Native American warrior mascot, a local school board has instead voted by a resounding seven two margin to restore it. A Pennsylvania community reclaimed its local indigenous history and a school's popular tribesman mascot last week, just two months after five new school committee members won elections and ran on pro-Native American platforms. Elections have consequences. Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, teased a potential third-party presidential bid after Super Tuesday, March the 5th. Super Tuesday pretty much confirms whatever is going to happen, what we believe will happen, and we'll see where we go from here, Manchin told reporters on Tuesday, the day of the New Hampshire primary. But people are looking for options, he says. We're going to be uh, looking at that, too. Whether it's me or whoever it may be, I think there's going to be options available If it goes down the way it's going down, end quote. I hope you could kind of make sense of that. Well, more voters pointed to immigration than to inflation as the top policy concern in January. That's according to a Harvard Caps Harris poll released on Monday. The survey found that 35 percent of respondents listed immigration as their paramount concern among an array of issues with inflation in a close second, named by 32 percent of respondents. And let's see, Benny Johnson, Joe Biden says, um, Republicans are blocking Democrats from securing the border. Meanwhile, the administration is literally cutting down barbed wire fences to facilitate uh, migration into Texas. They think you're stupid. Benny Johnson suggests Liz Wheeler says unlimited immigration from the open southern border is the biggest existential crisis the United States has faced in my lifetime. Remember, it's Biden's fault. Only 30 percent say the country is on the right track. Texas Governor Abbott vows to secure the border in the face of the Supreme Court's decision. And an Illinois lawmaker suggests residents house illegal migrants in their homes, They're sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. So put your homes where your mouths are, he suggested. President Biden has spent 20 billion dollars on refugees. Um, poured the billions of taxpayer dollars into the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Refugee Resettlement since October of 2022. The administration spent $8.925 billion on fiscal year 22, $10.928 billion in fiscal year 23 on the administration of uh, four children and families at ORR to accommodate, transport, and provide migrants with various other services like medical care and loans, according to the report. Twenty one Israeli soldiers were killed this week when they came under attack in the southern Gaza Strip. It was the defense forces deadliest day in the war since October 7th. Uh, two buildings, uh, the uh, they were triggering a, a blast that collapsed two buildings with soldiers inside uh, the military set on Tuesday morning. The buildings were being rigged for demolition by troops when Palestinian gunmen fired an RPG uh, at a tank securing the uh, the forces. A a second blast then occurred in the building, possibly as a result of the second RPG leading to their collapse and the death of the deaths, rather, of the 21 Israeli Defense Force soldiers. Well, Turkey has accepted Sweden into NATO. Hungary is the final holdout. Turkey's parliament approved Sweden's uh, entrance uh, to NATO, removing one of the last remaining obstacles to the historic expansion of the alliance in response to Russia's invasion in Ukraine. The vote on... um, a Tuesday night likely ends a nearly two-year-long diplomatic standoff between Turkey and Western powers that began when Turkish president Erdogan, he threatened to block both Sweden and Finland's entry into the organization. Finland joined NATO um, last year after Turkey dropped its opposition. Now Sweden only needs Hungary's parliament to give its approval to join the alliance. Hungary had pledged not to be the last country to approve Sweden's membership, but has now become the final holdout. Turkey had argued that Sweden was giving refuge to Kurdish militants and needed to do more to crack down on rebel groups like the Kurdistan Workers Party, which is considered a terrorist organization. The EU and the U.S. have also designated PKK as a terrorist group. Sweden introduced tougher anti-terrorism laws in June, making it illegal to give financial or logistical help to the terrorist group, hence facilitating Turkey's approval into NATO. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin made his first public appearance since his secretive hospitalization this week. And U.S. and Chinese uh, researchers wanted to engineer a virus similar to COVID one year before the pandemic outbreak, according to internal documents, raising some serious questions about its origin and who played a role in creating it. And as Texas Governor Greg Abbott continues to tout the state's uh, right to self-defend itself, a little Redundant there. From a migrant invasion, some Democratic lawmakers are calling on the president to take control of the state's National Guard. Abbott issued a lengthy statement on Wednesday, saying the federal government broke the uh, compact between the United States and the individuals of the state. The executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books. Right now, Abbott said President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. Abbott is fighting multiple legal battles with the administration, which uh, has threatened legal action over Texas seizure of Shelby Park near Eagle Pass. Texas has also filed lawsuits against the administration, which cut razor wire. Uh, first, without the uh, Supreme Court's approval, now with it, Abbott is not alone, though, in his fight for the state's right to bolster protection along the border between Mexico and Texas. In fact, former Republican presidential uh, candidate and current Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said his state will continue assisting Texas. Some 26 states, it's either 26 or 24, and I don't have that number in front of me, I apologize, have now stood alongside Texas in support of their efforts to protect the southern border. Later this week, given first uh, the U.S. gutter and um, another nation's effort to influence a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, Israel's uh, proposal now Israel and Hamas are finalizing a ceasefire deal that returns all hostages home. We'll see whether or not that can actually. Um, uh, come to fruition and amazon has created a new show where satan is god's victim and the ultimate hero i suppose we shouldn't be altogether surprised uh, by that but amazon has a new cartoon for children and the plot that's right satan is the victim and the hero of this cartoon pay attention to what your kids are watching i guess is the moral of that story you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news, and James Blend will join us to do just that. Stay with us.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, good afternoon. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. On Fridays, we take a look at the lighter side of the news, and I, for some unknown reason, invite James Blend to join me to do just that. Now, James, I should warn you is a bit under the weather. He's having throat issues. And uh, James, you have my complete, utter, and thorough sympathy uh, and gratitude that you are willing to sacrifice yourself in order to join us here today. James?
3: Yeah, that's... <laughs> okay, that's a little exaggerated.
2: <laughs> yeah, just a smidge. Just a smidge. <laughs> How are you feeling?
3: A lot better. Definitely a lot better. I you th- sound th- fine. Well, I mean... I've you know. wasted
2: all that pity. I carried on. To, for that? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, man. Well, anyway, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're I am f- too. Feeling a bit better. Well, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news, and we'll begin with this one. A man found a seven carat diamond at Arkansas State Park and named the gem after his fiance. Now, I would rather have the gem than be named um, after, but uh, nonetheless, a Julia Novice, he's a resident of Paris, France, the real Paris. Um, He ran into some luck as he unearthed a 7.46 carat diamond at the Arkansas Crater of Diamonds State Park earlier this month. So I guess it's not altogether surprising he would find diamonds at the Diamond State Park. The park is a magical place where the dream of finding a diamond can come true. It was a real great adventure, the Parisian said, Uh, speaking to the Arkansas State Park's. Navis has been traveling across the United States. After stopping to see a rocket launch at Cape Canaveral, Florida, he traveled to New Orleans. And while in the Big Easy, he learned about the crater of Diamond State Park and became intrigued, decided I'm going to go. Well, the park piqued his interest because he had previously panned for gold and searched for uh, ammonite fossils, Uh, so he knew he had uh, to visit the park while he was in the United States. So on the 11th of January, he purchased a diamond hunting kit from the park and then began his adventure looking for gems. I got to the park at about 9 a.m., started to dig. Uh, That is uh, backbreaking work, he says. So by the the afternoon, I was mainly looking uh, on the uh, top of the ground to uh, see anything that might have stood out. Lo and behold, after, behold, rather, after several hours, he brought his discoveries to the park's Diamond Discovery Center and found out that he was carrying a brown diamond weighing 7.46 carats. Pretty fortunate find. I would say so. Now, just hypothetically, you Mm -hmm. and I have been friends for many years. If you were, for example, panning for gold, digging for diamonds, precious metals, gems, whatever, and you were to unearth something of inestimable value... Would you name it after, oh, I don't know, a close friend, an associate, someone you work with for 20-plus years?
3: Oh, absolutely. Completely. Totally. Because, you know, I I, I only have to live with my wife and daughter. No big deal.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I get it. Yeah. Well, there is a, a California woman who set the Guinness World Record. Wow, I'm sorry. I'm just set the Guinness World Record for the longest arm hair.
3: Yeah, oh.
2: First of all, I'm not sure I'd want to be distinguished as having the longest arm hair. I mean, I suppose if you have it, you might as well celebrate it, but the woman's arm hair was measured at over seven inches long. Uh, Macy Davis Sutherland of Tracy, California, set the record in December. Um, it was released, the information, on the 18th. They had to confirm it. A strand of her right upper arm uh, measured at an astounding 18.40 centimeters, which is equal to 7.24 inches. She said her abnormally long arm hair uh, was first spotted in 2012 by her friend's brother. First spotted? I mean, wouldn't you have noticed that over the years? Uh, She said her abnormally long arm hair uh, was first spotted uh, in 2012. I was at Disneyland with my best friend's, Kaylee's family, when her brother pointed out Uh, A hair on my arm. Apparently it's not a lot of hair, but some hair. Her friend's brother wanted to pluck the hair, but uh, she said no. Well, even back then, she thought she could potentially have a Guinness World Record. Arm hair normally is about one centimeter long, said Guinness World Records. Uh, Most of Davis Sutherland's other arm hair is the usual length. Uh, None of my other arm hairs come even close to being as long, she said. Uh, They're all a normal length for an arm hair.
3: Now if she could grow one on the other side at least she wouldn't need long sleeve shirts anymore.
2: <laughs> okay. I mean a couple you know, more of that
3: and you pretty much have, you know, the arms of a sweater.
2: Well, I I guess so. So I guess on one arm she has abnormally long hair, but only a little bit of it. It's not covering her entire arm. Right. Okay, I guess you know people want to be noted for what makes them unique. There you have it. Do you have anything particularly unique about you, James, other everything than your sparkling about personality? I would say everything about me is unique, isn't it? Unique might not be the word I'd choose, but oh, okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, what about this? Um, surprise, uh, surprising baby names that may be going extinct. It's an interesting choice of words. Extinct in 2024. 20, may be going Extinct. Not sure I would put it that way, but that's the headline. Not all baby names continue to grow in popularity, and some could even be on the verge of extinction. Like Georgine. How many Georgines do you know? It's definitely extinct, with maybe a couple of exceptions. Yeah, I've not met any others. Georgina, Georgia, those uh, iterations are, you know, still around. Well, the baby name experts at Baby Center, headquartered in San Francisco, California, which makes it a bit suspect in and of itself, have been tracking uh, monikers, Uh, that have been on the decline and are no longer popular among new parents. Based on their research, the team compiled a list of 40 names that might not even be seen uh, as much in 2024 as they have been in past years. Rebecca Wahlberg, Baby Name Trends Specialist for Baby Center, organized some of those names, and they took um, a few of them and and published them. Aiden-sounding names. Not Aiden, but Aiden-sounding names. There was a surge in boys' names in the 2000s that ended... With the sounds Aiden, you know, Brayden, um, it was a trend that gained popularity. As of 2024, many of these boys' names have, de- have decreased, sorry to say deceased, decreased in popularity and have fallen uh, from their previous great heights. The name Aiden, for example, fell 93 spots from 2022 to 2023, while the name Raiden dropped 147 spots. Ra- isn't that close to Radon? You want to name your kid Raiden? Well, I mean, you know. Jaden fell even further. 151 spot decrease. Last names uh, became first names. That was very popular. This once popular trend has not been seen as much as it once was among new parents. Among boys and girls, common last names that became popular as first names have been declining in popularity, according to Wahlberg. Some of these uh, very once, po- I should say, once popular names that are on the uh, the outs include McKenzie, Oakley, Reagan, and Sawyer for girls. Mackenzie is actually one of the fastest falling names, dropping 184 points from the list of most popular baby names. Boys' names that are on the outs in this category include Baylor, Bradley, Brady, Clayton, Hendricks, Preston, and Reed. Reed was also named one of the fastest dropping boys' names, falling 143 spots. Then there are millennial names. Not all 90s trends are back, especially certain girls' names that have not been trending. Once popular 80s and 90s girls' names, such as Amanda, Angela, Brooke, Diana, Michelle, have dropped in ranking, according to Baby Center. Brooke is the name that has dropped the most for girls, falling 198 spots. Wahlberg noted that the once popular name for boys, Bradley, did not face a resurgence in 2023, but has continued to drop further down the list. The once popular boys' name, um, has now featured on this list for a second year in a row. First falling 77 points in 2021 to 22, and now falling another 104. The baby name expert said so. Bradley has fallen out of favor. Not a Georgine among them because it's it's already extinct, and no one would name a cat, a ferret, or a bird Georgine. That's all I can say. Maybe a turtle. Maybe a turtle. I do, I, I do have one uh, cat that was named after me. I have a sister, Donna. She and I grew up as the Rose Sisters, Georgine and Donna. And one of our friends named their cats Georgine and Donna. That's the, that's, uh, the extent of it.
3: And I'm guessing you never, ever went near that cat. No. I didn't think so.
2: No, I had too many friends growing up, um, especially in elementary school. They were all scratched up. They had scratches on their arm. Oh, my cat did that. And I thought, check, no cats. Dogs were already on the list because I'd been attacked by dogs from my very earliest recollection, but then cats were added to the list at that point.
3: Yeah, I think cats and their idea of playfulness is fairly violent, so I tend to steer clear myself.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, A food bank was stunned to receive 25-year-old can of cheese sauce from 1998. Now, how often do you check the cans in your pantry the bottles and cans for sell by eat by dates i rarely do that i did it the no, other. i don't d- very often yeah, but the other day and found oh <laughs> this has been here way too long I mean, it wasn't 1998 but i've had some old food for quite a while
3: you know i think uh the um there have been a couple of good ones in, in my household over the years um in the mid 90s um i found a jar in our refrigerator of uh, hellman's mayonnaise. Well, Hellman's isn't sold on the West Coast. It's known as Best Foods, which means we brought it from New York when we moved in 1988. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So it was at least at that point seven or eight years old. And uh, a few years ago when cleaning out some of my parents' stuff, uh, one of my coworkers here uh, found a a jar of uh, uh, petroleum jelly that was from 1983 Really? Yes.
2: Now, does petroleum jelly go bad? I don't think go it bad? goes bad.
3: It's probably still good. You know, it could good. get
2: rancid because oil can get rancid. I, that's a good question. I don't I don't I, know. I,
3: I don't know either, but that cheese spread, same thing. There's so many chemicals in it. It might still be good. It
2: might be. Well, the cheese and onion canned sauce was made to be eaten with potatoes. Volunteers at the Sutherland and County Durham Food Bank in Chesterley Street, County Durham, England, recently said. Uh, a worker was checking new donation items from the food bank when the individual noticed the label was uh, faded and the contents looked a little gray. Upon looking further, the worker discovered the sauce had expired on June the 9th, 1998. Check your pantries, folks. You don't want to eat 1998 cheese spread or cheese
3: 1999
2: food. is fine. It's 98. <laughs> it's
3: that's 98. A, that's off. It, it's, All right. it's that whole Y2K thing.
2: <laughs> did you uh, tell me we needed to take a break?
3: I did. There was I a, did, some sort cause... of... Uh, you know, especially because I'm quite frankly feeling nauseous at the moment.
2: <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll revive James and be back in a moment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at the lighter side of the news, and that strange mythical voice in the background is James Blend, my producer here in Portland. I've invited to join me in a weaker moment. We were talking about cheese just before the break. Uh, Mites. Yes, the tiny bugs are used in some cheese production. How are you feeling, James?
3: Yeah, (laughs) not much better, actually.
2: Well, the ancient craft of cheese making holds many surprises when it comes to methods that shape the flavors and textures of different varieties. One intriguing tradition involves deliberately introducing mites to the cheese, which contributes to its distinct characteristics. Well, yeah, it's got Tastes mites. Tastes like bugs. <laughs> well, despite the initial surprise, the practice of using mites in cheeses has been an integral part of the cultural and culinary traditions associated with these cheese uh, cheeses for generations. What cheeses are cured with mites? You might want to take note uh, to avoid said cheeses. Two well-known cheeses that undergo a process of involving mites are, let's see, memoletta and Milbinskasa, or something very like that. Hailing from France, particularly in the Nord-Pas-de-Kelm, the region, um, Mimoletta is initially coated with uh, edible annatto to give it an orange hue. Uh, It undergoes a lengthy aging process when the cheese mites are intentionally introduced. The mites consume the outer layer, creating a unique pit and crack in the cheese. This process contributes to the cheese's distinct flavor uh, featuring nutty and savory notes, along with a crumbly texture. Now, are the mites still on the cheese? Is what I'm wondering. Is that where and, you well, get that the, uh, nutty the, flavor, or
3: or is that from what they mm, left behind?
2: Okay, let's not even go there. I,
3: I, I'm just saying you got to ask these questions because I'm right as of now. I'm not interested in sampling these cheeses. Because I do not want to deal with eating bugs or their afterthoughts.
2: (laughs) And then the other one is made in Germany. It's Milbankarsa, or something like that in Germany. It's crafted by applying a layer of rye flour to the cheese, uh, creating an environment suitable for the growth of cheese mites. They're encouraging the growth of cheese mites. Over time, these mites consume both the rye flour and the cheese's surface. The outcome is a cheese with a porous texture and a distinct flavor. Well, yeah. Uh, yes, it's generally safe to eat cheese that's been cured with mites, generally, they say. In traditional cheese-making practices, such as in the two I've mentioned, cheese mites are intentionally introduced during the aging process. These tiny creatures contribute to the unique characteristics of the cheese, such as flavor and texture. The mites themselves are microscopic and don't pose any harm to humans when consumed. So uh, apparently you do consume the mites in the cheese. They're considered natural part of cheese-making Check, process. Please. <laughs> For, for the uh, metamucil, please. Are cheese mites banned in the United States? Well, the Food and Drug Administration temporarily banned these two cheeses uh, in March of 2013. The FDA said inspectors found more than the permissible six mites per square inch crawling on the on the rind, which raised health concerns. Crawling on the, so they are still alive and kicking. However, after working to address these concerns and meet the FDA standards, the um, mimoletta cheese was reintroduced in the United States. Do all cheeses have mites? No, not all cheeses have mites. You know, like American cheese food product. (laughs) It's not really cheese, so it doesn't have mites. Right. Many other types of cheese are produced without the use of mites, and their characteristics are shaped by different methods, such as fermentation, salting, and aging. I'm going to go with that. Yes. If you have a particular preference or concern about mites and cheese, it's recommended you check the specifics of the cheeses you're interested in for more information. From the nutty and crumbly memoletta in France to the porous and flavorful Milbenskuhar cheese in Germany, these cheeses showcase the relationship between mites and microbes, resulting in a unique culinary experience. Mites and microbes
3: i'm kind of off cheese i was gonna say the next time i go to a cheese tasting not that i've been to many or any um <laughs> i definitely would be looking more carefully at uh the uh the the offerings
2: yeah if it's moving i'm not uh it's not moving you know i Let's tend to prefer
3: way. i mean i think as a general rule for me personally at least i don't want my food to be moving
2: yeah or looking back at me
3: no so i mean that uh, that already fits into the criteria I didn't know I needed to avoid these cheeses, but now I know uh, because, well, they're alive.
2: Yeah, it's alive. A contractor recently came across an historic discovery as he was renovating a client's bathroom in Seattle, Washington. Vadim Karkavi, or something very like that, who works with the polar bear construction, was ripping out a bathtub when he saw a grenade between the studs. My first thought was to get out of there, he said. Yeah, I rushed out of there, took a breath, and actually went back in and recorded the situation. He zoomed in with his phone, took a closer peek. He said, I'm like, that's an actual grenade. He said other things, too, which I won't repeat. Well, he said he's been working in the construction business for 10 years, will sometimes find things inside the walls and under floors, such as dated magazines or uh, newspapers. When he realized this item was an explosive, things got serious. He got a little bit frightened. He put his uh, put the tub down and ran out of the room. He just gave it about five minutes just in case. Um, And uh, the Seattle police and bomb squad were called to the scene, and it was determined that the device was not a live grenade. Thankfully, it was hidden in the wall through a compartment that a person could access underneath the bathtub and through a closet, which was on the opposite end of the bathroom wall, according to the um, report. Even if you open that compartment, you still would not know it's there. uh, The contractor said you wouldn't even have known if you put your head in there because everything is so tight with the electrical and plumbing in the way. So somebody had to know um, that it was there because of the way uh, they reached uh, in to place it or to retrieve it so kind of an interesting find in a construction job of course
3: you know if it's live you can make cheese out of it but maybe not
2: <laughs> maybe not it would be I'm, I'm chunky
3: it be very chunky
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going as if that never happened
3: it, it didn't happen it definitely yeah, didn't, didn't happen
2: okay Well, a U.S. scientist has brewed up a storm by offering Britain advice on making tea. Apparently, you do not advise the Brits on how to make tea. An American scientist has sparked a transatlantic tempest in a teapot by offering uh, the British advice on its uh, favorite hot beverage. Um, The chemistry professor uh, says one of the keys to a perfect cup of tea is a pinch of salt. (laughs) Well, they weren't having that. The tip is included in uh, his book, Steeped the Chemistry of Tea, published Wednesday by the Royal Society of Chemistry. Wow. The Royal Society of Chemistry, uh, not the commoner Society of Chemistry. This is the Royal Society. Well, not since the Boston Tea Party has mixing tea with salt water roiled the Anglo-American relationship so much. Well, the salt suggestion drew howls of outrage from tea lovers in Britain, where popular stereotypes sees Americans as coffee-swilling boars who make tea, if at all, in the microwave. Don't even say the word salt to us, the etiquette guide DeBretz wrote on X, formerly known as Twitter, the U.S. Embassy in London intervened in the brewing storm with a social media post reassuring the good people of the U.K. that the unthinkable notion of adding salt to Britain's natural uh, national drink is not official United States policy. Let us unite in our steeped solidarity and show the world that when it comes to tea, we stand as one, said the tongue in cheek post. The U.S. Embassy will continue to make tea in the proper way by microwaving it. (laughs) The embassy later clarified that its statement was a lighthearted play on our shared cultural connections rather than an official press release. Really, they had to make that make that distinction? Somebody thought that was serious? Steeped, in contrast, is no joke. The product is a three-year research project and experimentation. The book explores the more than 100 chemical compounds found in tea and puts the chemistry to use with advice on how to brew a better cup, the publisher says. Frankel said adding a small amount of salt, not enough to taste... Makes tea seem less bitter because the sodium ions in the salt block the bitter receptor in our mouths. Well, it actually sounds like a great idea. Now, do you add it to the pot? Do you add it to the cup? I'm not sure. She also advocates making tea in a pre-warmed pot, agitating uh, the bag briefly before vi- um, vigorously, and uh, serving a uh, let's see, serving in a short stout mug uh, to preserve the heat. She says milk should be added. Uh, to the cup after the tea, not before, another issue that often divides tea lovers. Uh, She has been surprised by the level of reaction to her book in Britain. I kind of understood that there would hopefully be a lot of interest, she told the Associated Press. I didn't know uh, we'd um, wade into diplomatic conversations with the U.S. Embassy. It has made her ponder the ocean-wide coffee-tea divide that separates the U.S. and Britain. I wonder if we're just a more caffeinated society. Coffee is higher in caffeine or maybe... We're just trying to rebel against our parent country.
3: I did think it was funny that the, the embassy had weighed in on that. I saw, Oh, hilarious. I saw that on X, and I'm just like, especially when they get to the part about uh, we plan to keep making tea the proper way in the <laughs> microwave, <laughs> which I'll be honest, I've done that fairly often.
2: Yeah, I've, I have too. If you're in a hurry. and you, Exactly. It takes a while to boil a pot of water. So. Whereas I guess two I'm minutes thoroughly in the microwave, American. you know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't care that much. Although I am a bit of a tea snob, one of my favorite all-time things to do in life is to go to high tea. I love the littleness of all of the little treats, the sandwiches with the crust cut off, and the little bites and tea that's endless. It's just pinkies up, love it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a tea snob. I mean, I definitely am a tea aficionado, and I don't like the you know, don't, don't don't get me store brand. Just don't don't even do that. Uh, but uh I definitely like a good a good cup of tea um around around here i't uh i'm kind of i think uh, we're kind of known as tea drinkers because most of our coworkers are not
2: yeah yeah tea aficionado huh
3: aficionado
2: wow i i had no idea i'm pretty much a, a barbarian when I drink tea here it's just utilitarian you put the bag in the cup you pour the water in it you wait till it gets dark enough and you drink it oh but when i'm, I'm sitting I'm down definitely to going for tea. quantity
3: over quality yeah, here at the yeah. office and you
2: don't have a lot of time for all the i mean i do bring in my
3: own tea but and, me too and, but it's usually like english breakfast uh it's something you Mango, know cilantro, common cilantro, common but not bottom of the barrel
2: oh, that, and i yeah. do like british teas i sometimes bring those in yes uh, my guess is nobody listening cares
3: you so you might I, want to move on. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I think t- it, it, it's tea time here on the Georgine Rice Show.
2: <laughs> Pinky's up. Pinky's up. Too many cats, not enough for crustaceans. The current emoji catalog doesn't accurately um, represent the breadth of biodiversity seen in nature. And that hurts cons- conservation efforts, according to scientists. An analysis published on Monday in the journal iScience found that while animals are well represented by the current emoji catalog, plants, fungi, and microorganisms... It's short shrift. I mean, how many times have you uh, tried to send an emoji and there was not a microorganism available to uh, to help you out? While the biodiversity crisis may seem distant from the online world, in our increasingly digitized society, we should not underestimate the potential of emojis to raise awareness and foster appreciation for the diversity of life on Earth, wrote authors Stefano Mamola and several other folks from the... Um, Some scientific place. Well, the development and the maintenance of diverse and inclusive emoji sets are crucial to ensure the equitable representation of the tree of life in digital communication tools. Wow, these guys are way too serious. Apparently. The team assessed emojis uh, related to nature and animals available in Emojipedia, is curated online catalog of emojis, and tracked how these changed... From 2015 to 2022, among animals, vertebrates, including mammals, birds, reptiles, amphibians, and bony fish, they were overrepresented, making up 76% of animal emojis. I hope you're taking notes. This is critical. Anthropods, including insects, arachnids, crustaceans, were proportionally underrepresented despite there being 1.3 million described species of anthropod compared to 85,000 known species of vertebrate. The researchers also noted that there were no emojis representing either flatworms including tapeworms the type I can't even I'm not going to try to mispronounce or um this other thing of which there are 20,000 different species. On the on the flip side they found uh, emoji biodiversity was increasing annelids gained representation in 2020 with the addition of the worm emoji which most likely represents the earthworm and uh Some others were also represented. So, ladies and gentlemen, in the days ahead, you are going to have the opportunity to uh, enjoy more diverse, biodiverse emojis representing and reflecting nature. Fungi and flatworms up next.
3: You know, it's just good to know that as we head into the break. That there are such important work going on in the world.
2: Yeah. We can sleep well tonight knowing that. Make a cup of tea. Ponder. Oh, let's. Well, we're out of time. If you're listening in the Seattle area, have a great weekend, and we'll be back on Monday. I hope you'll join us. In Portland, stick around. We've got the Christian Outlook focusing on the sanctity of human life this week.
1: Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook and join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ